Now, the key to making anything official is eating, right? If you look at me, you know I've made a lot of things official in my life, right? But if you think about it, just about everything we do, if we want to bind it and make it right, make it official, we eat. Do you remember the very first thing you and I did together as a church, Gloria and I and our, the family and the kids, we all came on a Sunday night. Do you remember the first thing we did together? We ate sandwiches in the back, right? In a couple of months, you're going to welcome in a new pastor. And I am for sure that probably one of the first things you're going to do with her or him is what? That's just what we do, right? Even the good folks at Shiner, they've already fed Gloria and I, and I suspect they'll probably do it again because you want to make something official? You eat. But even think about other areas of life. Think about those first dates huh? or anniversaries. You usually include what? Eating. And fellas, come on, make it nice, okay? A nice restaurant or a nice dinner, right? We love, we love our ladies. So we're going to make it nice, but we're going to eat together, right? And I'm not suggesting that family reunions aren't all that, but thank God there's food at family reunions, right? Food is there. Gets us through. Comfort food, right? Think about celebrations, weddings, right? People bring truckloads of food for after the wedding. Any celebration is going to have food because if you want to make it official, eat. Now, as Christians, keeping that in mind, Christ's resurrection is kind of a big deal for us. Is that fair? Fair to say? And since we already know that if you want to make something official, what do we do? It's kind of ironic that according to Luke, the two things that happen, the two stories right after the resurrection of Jesus include, guess what? Eating. Maybe you remember the first one. There's these disciples on their way to a town called Emmaus, right? And as they were walking along, they were sad, downcast, thinking about all that had happened to Jesus a few days before and even talking about the news that they had just heard about apparently what's happened to his body. And as they're walking along, a stranger comes up and starts talking with them. And they don't know who the stranger is until they share a meal together. And as soon as they share that meal, their eyes are open, and they know exactly that this stranger is Jesus. Then those disciples on their way to Emmaus, turn back and go tell the other disciples what they just experienced. And as they were there with the other disciples talking to them, Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. And as he gives them the peace of God, he realizes these guys look like they've just seen a ghost because they think they are seeing one. Then In a way, I think, to make the resurrection real, Jesus says, you got anything to eat here? So the next time I ask you that, just know I'm trying to be more like Jesus, okay? (laughs) It's all I'm trying to do. Now, Jesus and his disciples, they would have gotten away with their original plan if it hadn't been for those meddling Pharisees and other religious people, right? They wouldn't have been able to do what they wanted to do, but the Pharisees stepped in and ruined everything. So they thought. 
And actually, so all the disciples thought and everybody else around the area thought the same thing, that the Jesus story was over because of what the Pharisees had done. So it's important then to realize here that Luke wants to make sure that we understand the reality of the resurrection. Because the reality is at this point, there shouldn't be any more story of Jesus or his disciples. But Luke has something else to tell us. You see, Jesus recognizes that the disciples have doubt. But what are they doubting? They're not doubting that this is Jesus. It seems pretty apparent that this is Jesus. Jesus shows up and all their conversations stop because they are scared, they're fearful. It's pretty obvious that this is Jesus for sure. But if it was anybody else who happened to barge in on their conversation, they might have been scared and fearful as well, but it would have been because they thought they were caught. The Romans got them, or the Pharisees got them. But since it was Jesus, the reason why they're doubtful, the reason why they're scared is because they think it's a ghost. And here, Luke wants us to know that this was no walking dead Jesus. This was no Casper Jesus. This was Jesus, the one and only. In verse 36, Luke says that Jesus himself stood among the disciples. And according to verse 39, Jesus tells the disciples, see that it is I myself. And what Luke is really trying to do is to get you and I to realize that the resurrection is real. This is Jesus in the flesh. Y'all with me? Because it's important to, to realize the doubts that the disciples had. They weren't doubting this is Jesus, but is this really Jesus? Because if it really is Jesus, then all that stuff he talked about before must be true. And I think that brings up a good question for us as we think about those disciples and all their doubts about what they were seeing about Jesus. Because, well, you and I, we've never met Jesus. Jesus has never said, you know, touch my hand, touch my side, my feet, look at me. We don't even know what Jesus looked like. So that's why the question I asked you at the, at the beginning of our worship service is a pretty important question. What makes Christ real to you? Now, some of us might say, well, it's Christ's peace. I mean, my life is so hectic. My life is so chaotic. Things are going on all around me, and it's only that peace that I know comes from God that I can get through. That's got to be God. That's got to be Jesus. That's how I know Jesus is real. For some of us, maybe it's the love of God that we see in Jesus. Jesus was willing to talk to, to be with, to love anybody, to love anybody, even those people who were considered to be unlovable by everybody else. And if Jesus could love them, I know Jesus can love me. That's how I know Jesus is real. Maybe it's the forgiveness we see in Christ. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know about my own life, and Lord knows I need a little forgiveness. And since I see that Christ is willing to offer it, when I accept it, that makes Christ real to me. Maybe it's a calming assurance that Christ gives you. 
Or maybe it's that new heart. You know, some of us, we were fine living our lives the way we were. Thank you very much. I was happy. But then I got this new heart. And I know that had to be from God. And so that new heart tells me that Christ is real. What makes Christ real to you? My friends, the amazing thing about God is that God can be all of those things for all of us. God can be merciful. God can be loving. God can give new hearts. God can do all of those things. If God had the power over death to bring Christ back from the dead, God can be all of those things for us. That is part of what we are reminded of in the resurrection of Jesus. So if you need a little peace, if you need a little forgiveness, if you need a new heart, if you need mercy, if you need love, friends, God is here. And God offers it. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that God has already offered and continues to offer it to us every single day. Thank God for that, by the way. Since y'all wouldn't say it, I'm going to say it. Amen. The resurrection of Christ shows us God's love, God's gift of mercy, God's gift of salvation, and it shows us new life. It gives us new life. And friends, that is what the resurrection does with us. Now let me ask you another question. What do we do with the resurrection? What do we do with the resurrection? As Jesus is there with his disciples, right, he eats a little fish with them and he starts to talk to them. And he probably, as he is telling them things about scripture, my guess is he is telling them things that he has already told them over and over again. But there's something about a resurrected body that makes for a really good teaching tool. huh? He's got their attention now. And so all of those things that he's told them before, you parents and teachers know how that is, right? You can tell your kids something, and kid, mm, mm, mm. but let somebody else say the same exact thing, and it's like, oh, right? And here Jesus saying the same exact thing he had told them before, but now they are able to understand what they never could before. They understand what Jesus is really trying to tell them about who he was, is and who they are to be. And all of what he taught them can be summed up in three things that he told them. Jesus taught them that one, the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be, be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, let's go through this real quick. The first two have already been done. The Messiah suffering, well, we've seen that, right? Good Friday, we remember that cross business. And, well, coming again, rising on the third day, well, ta-da, here we are. But what about that third thing? What about the idea of repentance and forgiveness of sins being proclaimed in his name to all nations? Jesus never went to all nations. Do you know who that fell to? disciples, us. 
And Jesus was sure, just as sure as he was that the Messiah was going to suffer and that the Messiah was going to come back on the third day, he was sure that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Now, the book of Acts shows us that the disciples did just that. They went from town to town and from place to place. The resurrection was so real to them. That experience they had with Jesus was so real to them. They went from town to town, house to house, continent to continent, overcoming all their fears, being imprisoned, being stoned, doing all the things that they had to do so that they could make Christ's message known. So that even after all these years, as they went from place to place, even in a small church in Irving, Texas, their message can still be heard. Y'all with me? We have the same message today that they gave all that time ago. Now, what we have to realize then about those disciples is that the resurrection changed them. Now, you and I, We live in a consumerist world, don't we? Boy, you walk out of here and there's billboards here. There's signs on the corner. Our cars have advertising advertising everywhere, getting us to consume and to buy and to consume and to buy and buy and buy and buy, always telling us that we need more and more and more. Now, unfortunately, what happens is that that consumerist idea creeps into our faith as well. And quite often the power and the love and the grace of God is talked about in a way that we sort of bottle up God. And we put God on a shelf. We have the love of God here, the mercy of God here, grace of God over here, forgiveness over here. You're having a bad day? No problem. Just take a little bit of forgiveness. It's going to be all right. Huh? You're not getting along with your coworkers here. You just need a little joy. That'll get you through it. You didn't get that car, that job you wanted. Don't worry. Dab a little uh, favor of God on you and everything's going to be okay. It's the way we talk about God. But God was never meant to be bottled up like that. The resurrection was meant to change us. When we experience the grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, whatever way that you experience God, What those experiences are supposed to do is to show us who God is and to show us that God is more than willing of loving us and caring for us. And that we shouldn't bottle that. We have to go just like the disciples did. Keep it for ourselves. We can can depend on it. We can trust in it but we have got to give it away. We've got to bring it into the world. Now, I want to help us make the resurrection real for us. And the way we make the resurrection real to us, not by shelving who God is, but by making sure that God is known. And I think we can do it in two ways that Jesus showed us in this story. And the first has to do with, remember, he showed up to them, and they're freaked out. They think it's a ghost. Jesus shows him his hands and his feet. As to tell us that, you know, we're supposed to remember something about those hands. 
that as Jesus was on the cross, those hands were being nailed, his feet were being nailed to keep him on the cross. And so here Jesus is showing the disciples, look, it's me, you remember that. And part of that is to show them and to tell us that Jesus is real. But I also think the same way Jesus is saying, you see that? You see my hands, see my, my feet? You remember how I got those? You remember what it was about me that made other people want to do that to me? You live like me. You live like I did. If resurrection is real to you, if the hope of God is real to you, this is how we live. By the hands and feet that were scarred, that were nailed into Jesus. And then, well, kind of like Jesus did as well, to make Easter official, what do we do? We eat. Jesus was making Easter resurrection official. He wanted to show them that he was real, and so he ate with them. And so the same way, go eat. Go eat with other people. Now, eating, we're not just talking about food, because when we eat, we realize that there's life in that. We need food to sustain our lives, to sustain our bodies. And so part of eating, I think, is sharing life with other people. Let them know what God has shown you. Let them know your struggles. Let them know what it is God is trying to teach in you and how God is moving in your life. Share life with people so the resurrection can be real to them. And finally, something else I think we have to understand about resurrection being real, real is that as the disciples were there with Jesus, I think they had the potential of using every single one of their senses in that experience with Jesus. Think about it. As they were there, sitting around, standing around, talking with each other, Jesus came in. And they saw Jesus with their eyes. They saw him and they were scared. They thought he was a ghost, but they saw him. They would see him later as they realized that this was no ghost either. And then Jesus says, look, touch my hands. So you can see the disciples touching. <laughs> this guy's real. And then I don't know if the fish was already made or if they, you know, put, the, you know, got the mix and everything and made some fish for Jesus. But whether it's already made or whether they just had to make it, you ever, uh, you ever been in a place where, where fish is cooking and not smelt it? Yeah. So they can smell this fish that Jesus is eating, maybe even eating with him. You have the sense of smell and taste, and then as Jesus began to teach them, they heard what he was telling them. And friends, I think that's a reminder for us as well that in our discipleship, we have to learn to be all in. That every single part of us has to be in for the resurrection to be real. That's why I appreciate our our membership vows. When someone becomes a member of our church, we ask them towards the end, will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church by your prayers, 
your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness to God. And what we realize about those five things is that that's your life. There isn't any much more about you that doesn't fit in there somewhere. And if we're going to say that the resurrection is real to us, we have to be all in so that the resurrection can be real to other people as well. My prayer is that the resurrection would be real for all of us. That when we say Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, that would be a statement of affirmation, a statement of hope, and something that we build our lives on. But that we take that resurrection that we've experienced and share it with the world. So, we need to pray. We need to pray because God is more than willing to offer us grace, new life, new heart. Grace is the author of life. God is the author of life. God is the giver of life. God gives us all these things. And and quite often we take these things from God. But also quite often we fail to give God our whole life. So if you want to be more faithful to God, I invite you to pray with me now. Oh, God, we are so grateful for who you are. And we are so grateful for your willingness to love us, your willingness to give us life. We ask, God, that you would help us. And as we receive your grace, as we hear about the resurrection, as we grow more in our faith each and every day, to help us, God, little by little, put more of ourselves into serving you. Help us to see those parts in our life where we still want to do our own thing, where we have been unwilling to let you in. And more and more, each day, help us to give you more. More of our prayer life, more of our giving, more of our service, more of our witness. Help us to give you all of ourselves so that in all things, your name, might be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen.